just finished uh, preparation week of the, the Great Lent, and we're starting the 40 days uh, tomorrow, today, one of those two. Um, and today's gospel really points us upward. Um, it's about focus. It's about where should we look as we embark on our journey of Lent, and kind of where we keep our eyes. Um, but before we talk about today's readings in particular, I just want to kind of talk about fasting in, in general. And as we start to think about Lent and preparing for it, um, we have to ask ourselves, what's the goal of the Christian life? And what's the goal of the Christian life? And what does Lent and fasting have to do with preparing us for that goal? How does it get me there? And to answer this, we have to look at Christ himself. The church imitates him. Everything he does, we model after him. He's our prototype. He's the, the bogey. He's the target. He's the thing we're always looking at. And so let's look at the very first Lent and kind of see what we can glean from that Lent. And of course, we all remember how did it happen? How was the first Lent? When did it start? Remember? It's right after baptism. So Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. The Father declared him his son. And immediately, he went out into the desert, and he fought. And he fought with himself, and he fought with Satan, and he was tempted. And then what else happened after that in Christ's life? After that first Lent, everything happened. Everything else in Christ's life happened. So he was immediately baptized, he immediately fasted, and then he chose his disciples, and he preached, and he healed people, and he healed the sick, and he raised the dead, and he gave lots of sermons, and he was crucified, and he was resurrected, and he was ascended, and all of the things happened after that. So fasting wasn't his ministry. That's not really what he came for. It prepared him for it. It's how he started his ministry. It was the preparation that led him to the real things that he came to do. So when he fasted, Christ gave up his will for the Father. He said, I do not seek my own will, but the will of God, of the Father who sent me. So let's talk about life for a second. Giving up our will. Life is hard. Life is full of events that come our way that we don't choose. Um, to summarize, sometimes life sucks. And we often want one thing and we get another. We often want, you know, a, a husband that looks like this, but we get a husband that looks like that. And we wanted a wife that looks like this, but we got a wife that looks like that. We wanted these kind of kids, but we got those kids. We wanted this job, we got that job. We wanted to get to this school, but we got that school. We wanted this promotion, but we got fired. So there's lots of things in life where we don't get the thing we want. And it's okay. And this is actually where Christianity is. This is where it lives. Because I'll ask God for one thing, but I'll get another. And I'll be okay with that. And fasting at a very low level, at the basic, the most basic level of food, teaches us how to do exactly that. I want this, but I'm going to eat that. I want a steak, but I'm going to have it. And this ultimately is training us for the real battle. And fasting itself is not the real battle. Fasting itself isn't the sin or the victory. 
Fasting is the exercise. Fasting is the discipline. Fasting is training a muscle. The muscle of self-control, the muscle of will, the muscle of, of controlling our own body and our own desires. It's a muscle. And just like any other muscle, you have to work it out. And so what fasting does is it teaches us how to work out this muscle of self-control. I'm going to look at something I really want and not have it. I'm going to have this other thing instead. And it's training us. And unfortunately, sometimes we short-circuit the process. Right? We short-circuit the training. Well, instead of you know, going for a, a good workout, we go for an easy workout. Instead of pushing ourselves, we say, you know, I make this panetta that's siami, and you can't tell the difference. I have these impossible burgers, they're amazing. Right? Beyond burgers, whatever the case may be. And that's not a sin. I mean, that's fine. You can do that. But you're not doing it. Right? It's, you know, you imagine someone go to the gym and he, and he takes a, a half a pound weight and he, and he just goes like this. It's half a pound. And he's like, wow, I'm getting you know, a great workout. This isn't even hurting. And you're like, that's because you're not doing it. Right? You're not actually achieving anything. But what are you doing? You're going through the motions. Right? You look like you're doing what the other guys are doing, but they got a, a 30 pound dumbbell and you have half a pound. And so sometimes in our fast, we short circuit the fast ourselves and we go for the easy one when I mean you can do the easy things you like but you're just not going to get anywhere right it's like going to a coach and after the workout you tell the coach hey that was a really easy workout coach coach will say then you didn't have a workout right tomorrow will be harder right tomorrow I'll push you because you need to grow you need to get stronger and so real Christianity that's where the rubber hits the road the difficult choices of having one thing but getting another. Wanting one thing but getting another. And this is where we need to be strong. And this is where the fast is leading us. And so the ultimate aim of Christianity, of baptism, of being filled with the Holy Spirit, and of fasting is that Christ himself may dwell in us. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It is no longer my will, but God's will who lives in me. And so all of the things that I get that I don't want, like the things that Christ got that he didn't want, I accept with pleasure. And I say, it's not my will, but the will of the Father who sent me. So let's keep this focus, that the focus the church is putting us on today, as we move through Lent. Fasting is not the goal. It's not the victory. It's exercise. And the more challenging the exercise is, the more it works. And the more it trains the muscle of self-will and self-control. So now let's talk about today's reading very quickly. And the church is encouraging us to make sure we have the right target. We're looking at the right place. I imagine a sailor who's sailing a ship, and the sailor has to look at the horizon or has to look at the spot where they're going all the time. And if the sailor kind of takes his eye off the spot, next thing you know, he's heading for another place, right? Imagine if you leave, you know, England and head for New York on a ship. If you don't have New York dead set on right in front of you, you're going to end up in Florida. And so the church today is telling us exactly that. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and vermin and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But store up for your treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be also. So here Christ is trying to draw our minds on the distinction between things that last forever and things that don't last forever. And in this beautiful passage, I'll read you here in a second, this writer tries to get us to look up, to try to stay focused on the goal. She says, in the world of the spirit, the soul sees, its, sees around itself unlimited, infinite extensions. It feels enlarged, it loves, it rejoices, it suffers, but independent of everything, light and free, as if flying through infinite space, completely happy. On the other hand, in the world of material things, everything is small, limited, lowly. Everything tends toward the earth and corruption. Everything is a heavy burden that oppresses. Yet most people are attached to the earth, and they make their condition worse because they love the earth without doing anything to raise to the heights where love awaits them. In the world, everything is temporary. It changes and passes away. Today, we seek eagerly the object of our love. Tomorrow, we are bored with it, and we reject it. So it is with everything material. How foolish are the souls who spend their life this way, running here and there without ever being satisfied or ever finding rest and peace, and to think that they have within themselves the source that is capable of filling the emptiness of their souls. It's beautiful. And again, so this passage wants us to raise our minds. Think about the heavenly, not the earthly. Think about the permanent, not the temporary. And then today's gospel ends with the very famous verse that we all know. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Kind of the guiding principle. Seek first the kingdom of God. Again, it's telling us to keep our eye on the target during the Lent. But the, I have a question. Where is his kingdom? It's to seek first his kingdom. And I know it's not in this world. Christ detached from the world. He left the world. During Lent, he left and he stayed away from it. Why do we have to detach? Because if we're attached to the world, it sucks us in. And the wrath and the must and the, uh, and the moths and the thieves come in, they break at night, and they take away any treasure we have. But even more importantly than where is the kingdom, who is the kingdom? Christ is the kingdom. And this same kingdom, Christ said, is already inside us. It's already there. So when we pray, we don't need to look up as if God's somewhere else, as if he's in heaven in a different location. The kingdom of heaven is inside us. And so heaven is in some place we go at some point. Then, you know, we die, then, you know, God picks, you know, do you go heaven or hell, or let me weigh the goods and the bads, and let's see, you know, be an accountant and do debits and credits. It's not like that. Heaven's already inside of us. Heaven starts here on earth. Hell starts here on earth. Right, so the, the spiritual life is just the forerunner, the beginning of the eternal life, and it morphs into it. I read you this, this story I came across. This person was visiting Elder Proforios. And he was very sad because he had a series of very difficult trials that he was going through in a very short period of time. So he wanted to talk to Elder Proforius about it, so he visited him. But before he told him about the problems, he wanted to tell him about this thought that he had. And he wanted to reveal it to him, and he was kind of proud of his thoughts. And so he wanted to tell him, and he said, this thought gave me great comfort and courage. So he shared with Elder Proforius how he was comforted by the thought that in this earthen world in which we live, everything is empty and temporary, 
And we just need a little bit more patience because, because soon both joy and sorrow are going to go away. I will pass. This great moment will come when death will lead me into immortal life, for which I wish, unworthy as I am, with your prayers so I can live with Christ. So he told him, you know, what comforts me is knowing I'm going to die soon. Now at some point all this is going to end, all these trials are going to end, and I'm just going to die. And that really gave me comfort. So he shared it with Elder Proforius. And then he waited for Elder Proforius, you know, to clap or to approve and to say, what a great idea, what a good thought, you're so spiritual. But he was taken aback when he heard Elder Proforius' reaction. And it was strong, and it was against him. She said, kid, don't have such thoughts that you'll die and enter, heaven immor enter heavenly immortal life. Struggle to become immortal now. Don't wait to die. Struggle to become immortal now by dying here on the earth to your bad self. In this way, you won't be sad, but you'll be very glad living together with Christ. So you shouldn't be afraid of trials or Satan or death because you'll be victorious over all of them here on earth so that you'll be ready for the immortal life of heaven. So he was basically telling him, don't wait for heaven. Heaven is now. The kingdom of heaven is now, not later. And this really helped the person. He actually rejoiced and said, this gives me more comfort than what I was thinking. And it reminded him of the very famous saying that's on the mount, the, on the door of one of the, uh, the monasteries. If we die before we die, then we won't die when we die. It's a very famous, if we die before we die, then we won't die when we die. And, the, and, and this is why one of the, the spiritual fathers has this, this nice saying. He says, the only thing you do on earth that will last into eternity is the work on the human heart. That's the work. The only thing you will do here on earth that will last is the work on your own heart. And this is what Lent is. Lent is the battleground. Lent is the time when we fight. And Lent is also a time when we get out of Lent. And someone says, how was Lent? And you say, it was great. Loved it. It went so well. I feel so spiritual. Then you probably did something wrong. Lent should, you should come out of Lent hurt and feel like it didn't go well. Much like the way a gladiator comes out of a battle in the arena. Right? The gladiator comes out, he's got blood coming out of his eye, he's got a broken nose, he's got some puncture wounds, and you should have seen the other guy. And that's the victor. That's the winner. But he looks like that because he's been in a battle. If he came out and his hair is perfect and his, everything's looking great, he didn't fight. And so when we come out of Lent, there should be some scars, there should be some wounds, should be some pain because we were we were in a battle and it shouldn't be pleasant and easy and some kind of beautiful spiritual experience where we were raised to the heights but it's it's, it's the battleground of the of the cross and that's the struggle that we find ourselves in in Lent the key to Lent is not victory it's struggle it's battle and we don't always enjoy struggle crosses are challenging trials problems events in our life, these things, they're a burden. But St. Paul says, all things work together for good to those who love God. And so are problems good? Yeah, kind of. They don't serve our whims. They don't serve our selfish wills. But they're useful. 
And problems may not be good for pleasure, but they're good for salvation. And not for our wishes, but for our advantage. In fact, sin itself works for our salvation because it makes us more humble and more watchful and gives us a low spirit. So Father Matthew DePore has this great quote in basically talking about Lent. He says, walk cautiously, patiently, humbly. Know that God is at work to destroy the false you. God is at work to destroy the false you and revive the image of God who is the real you. And that's an amazing thought, that God is working through all of the things he sends us, whether it be the bad husbands or the bad children or the bad things at work or the bad boss or the bad subordinate or the bad service clergy or the bishop or the priest or whatever. God is at work destroying the old you. And that's the goal, the, the old man, Adam. And he says, this will not happen without your permission. You can choose to be the false you the rest of your miserable life. Strong. This will not happen without your permission. Lent is when we give permission for God to do to us. And then we accept joyfully. It starts with the food. It's training the muscle. I don't want this. I mean, excuse me. I want this, but I'm going to have this. And I'm going to be okay with it. And I'm going to do it joyfully. And that parlays into a spiritual life where things don't go our way and we don't get what we want and life doesn't give us all the things that we thought it would. So how do we do this? St. Isaac the Syrian has this wonderful quote. He says, Be persecuted rather than be a persecutor. Be crucified rather than be a crucifier. Be treated unjustly rather than treat anyone else unjustly. Be oppressed rather than zealous. Lay hold of goodness rather than justice. So what do we do during Lent? We're persecuted, we're crucified, we're treated unjustly, we're oppressed, but we lay hold, hold of goodness. Remind you of anyone? Christ. And that's what we model Him. Okay, the last thing I'll say, sorry, gone too long now, is the word repentance. What does that word mean in Greek? the Greek word for repentance. Eh? Metania, right? And the word metania means a change in direction, looking from one way to the next. And we see this, that in, in repentance there has to be two pieces. I used to look left, but now I'm going to look right. And it's very important when we practice our fast to do both pieces. You can't just stop looking left. Sometimes we go into the Lent and we say, I'm going to stop this, I'm going to stop this, I'm going to stop this, I'm going to stop this. Okay. But what about the other part? What about looking right? What about looking towards God? What about bringing Him into my life? And it's much like the old you know, example of trying to take, take darkness out of a room. You can't take darkness out of a room. And yet we go into Lent, every Lent, and we say, I'm going to take darkness out of my house, out of my life, but I'm not going to bring any light in. It's impossible then we fail. And so the church is constantly reminding us through the prayers of Lent, you'll notice that the deacons are singing some slightly different hymns during Lent. In fact, right after we're done with this long sermon, the deacons are going to say something. What are they going to say? What is the response to the gospel? Our Father who art in heaven. And you're going to see that response over and over again. Even during the communion distribution, we'll say, Our Father who art in heaven. 
Why is the church saying our Father? We say it like ten times. I say it again. Because our Father is the quintessential prayer. And the church is trying to teach us that there isn't just about removing the bad, but bringing in God. In fact, during the fraction, Abuna is going to say something over and over again who remembers what it is. Fasting and prayer. And it's like the church is trying to remind you there's two pieces. Fasting, we're going to stop the bad. But then there's prayer. I have to bring in the good. And there's a balance there. If I just try to do the left side and not the right side, it doesn't work. I have to do both simultaneously. And so we're going to all work together during Lent. We're all going to struggle and we're all going to fail. And I want to remind you of the words of St. Anthony. This is St. Anthony. He says, every day I will say to myself, today I will begin. That's what St. Anthony used to say. Every day I will say to myself, today I will begin. And I hope that these words echo and resonate in our spiritual lives and give us comfort. And I'll end with this one quote from St. John Comacus. He says, to repent is not to look downwards at my own shortcomings, but upwards at God's love. It is not to look backwards with self-reproach, but forward with trustfulness. It is not to see what I have failed to be, but what by the grace of Christ I might yet become. May the Lord help us all during this season of Lent, and glory be to God forever. Far, far.